Hey there, podcast listener. Welcome to Talking Wealth, the show where each and every week, the Wealth Within team are on hand to teach you how to become a more confident, competent, and more importantly, profitable trader and investor. For more information, products, services, and detailed show notes, including a transcript for this podcast, head over to wealthwithin.com.au and click on the news and media tab in the navigation. Hello and welcome to Talking Wealth. I'm Dale Gillan, the Chief Analyst here at Wealth Within, and uh, also welcome back to part two of my podcast series of How to Construct a Winning Portfolio. Now, you're going to remember in part one, I mentioned that there were two types of risk with any investment that you might consider, and those risks were systemic risk and specific risk. Now, you also remember that I talked about it's any investment that you do, not just the share market, but any investment. Now, systemic risk was being the risks that are inherent in the market that you're investing in. So, for example, the share market, it would be share market risk. Or if it's the property market, it's the property market risk. So this could include, but what we're talking about in here is systemic risk could include such things as economic influences, inflation, interest rates, government policy, or really anything that affects the market as a whole. Now, while specific risk was defined as the specific risks that are are inherent with a company, or in other words, the risk on that investment itself, this could also be for a property. So if you're investing in a property, the specific risk is that one property. So for example, you might have a one-bedroom apartment that you're looking at buying, and so the one-bedroom apartment um, market may either be bullish or bearish at any one time, depending on demand. Now... That takes us to our second critical area of portfolio construction. So we talked about risk in our last portfolio. So if you didn't hear that last uh, podcast, go back and have a listen to that again, part one. But now we're going to talk about uh, portfolio construction, or the second part of portfolio construction being money management. Now, whether you consider yourself to be a trader or investor, this one area is absolutely crucial to you reducing your risk and getting really good returns on your portfolio. Now, as I mentioned, we've already talked about risk in part one, and money management works hand-in-hand with that to complete the picture. Now, to understand risk without understanding money management would be like understanding how to drive a car, but not understanding how to apply the brakes to keep you safe. Now, you remember in part one, we talked about specific risk, and let's face it, if you put half of your money into one share and the remainder into another four, then your specific risk is very high indeed. Therefore, having a formula to follow for the size of each position that you wish to buy, that will ensure that you're not only protecting your money, but you're also allowing your portfolio to flourish. Now, whilst this may sound a little strange to you, I mean, after all, how does managing the amount you put into each stock allow you to protect your portfolio and allow it to flourish? So let me ask you, have you ever wished you'd put more money into a share you bought? Alternatively, Have you ever wished you'd put less money into a share you bought? Now, I think that if you've ever bought shares in your life, then you would have thought either or both of these at some time or another. Now, what we're going to discuss now is essential in creating a profitable portfolio. And here, the first step in money management is proper position sizing. Now, proper position sizing allows you to spread your risk between the shares you own. And the trick is not spreading your risk too little so that any one share falling in price will adversely affect your portfolio. And not diversifying your risk too much so that if any one share does actually rise, it will have very little effect on your portfolio return. 
Because if you over-diversify your portfolio, then one share rising strongly may have very little impact on the return. For example, if one share you owned represented 1% of your total portfolio, then even if it doubles in price, it will not greatly add to the portfolio return. For example, if your portfolio was $100,000 and one stock that you were holding was 1% of that, being $1,000, then if that share doubled in price, you would only see your total portfolio return rise by 1%. Here's a really important point is you need to look at portfolio returns as a whole, not just individual shares within it. On the flip side is, as I previously mentioned, if one share was 50% of your total portfolio and this share fell away, then your portfolio return would fall heavily in value with that. Now the trick is to have enough in each position to make investing worthwhile, but not too much that it overly increases your risk. Therefore, we need to calculate the dollar amount we put into each share we wish to buy at the point of buying it. Now, as a general rule of thumb, it's somewhere between 8% and 12% of your total capital that you invest in each share. And this is a fine position sizing. So if we invest 8% in each share, we'll end up with approximately 12 shares in our portfolio. And if we invest 12% in each share, then we'll end up with approximately 8 shares. So if you had a $100,000 portfolio, then your position sizing would be somewhere between $8,000 and $12,000 for each purchase you make. Now, as another general rule of thumb for traders is that you should never invest more than 20% of your total capital into any one shares. Now, the context here is really important. It's traders, not investors, because traders are actively managing risk. Now, I once met a person who took out a loan to remove all the capital from their house to invest in the Telstra 2 float. Now, I'm sure you'd agree with me that even though Telstra is a good company, what this person did was not wise, especially when you saw the results of Telstra 2 after a few years. What is constant is that we continually get emails from investors who are losing money on a share, and invariably when we ask them questions, we find that their position size on the losing position was way too large, and this caused the person to become fearful of losing more of their capital. This also caused paralysis in them making any decisions that might actually assist them. For the majority of people, it's quite hard to sell when you know you're losing money. Now you might have noticed that up till now, we've not talked about selecting specific shares. The reason for this is because how you construct your portfolio is often more important than choosing one share over another. In fact, if all we did was toss a coin in the air and buy when the heads came up, statistics say we'll be about 50% correct in our stock selection. So in my experience, it's been our money management and how we manage our risk over time that will determine whether we are profitable long-term or not. Now, once you look at risk and money management, it's time to develop a list of shares that may be appropriate for your portfolio. The list of shares you select for your portfolio will depend on the time frame you have available, your resources, and the goal of your portfolio. Now, that said, the vast majority of Australians, I recommend straying not too far outside of the top 100 stocks on the Australian market. And I do so for the following reasons. Now, number one is that these stocks are highly liquid. They are also profitable businesses with some of the best managers in Australia. The stocks are purchased heavily by institutions. They generally pay good dividend yields that have good tax credits attached. It's reliable information about these stocks and it's much easier to obtain that information. 
Now the chances are that any of these companies going broke is relatively small, and over a 10 year period, these stocks will produce you good returns. Now unfortunately, many newcomers to the share market mistakenly believe that buying these types of stocks is too expensive and that buying cheap stocks is the best method for achieving higher returns. Now this belief is not only costing people money, it actually hinders them in their ability to generate profits because they're investing in faith or speculating on those lower liquid stocks. In other words, you're speculating that a cheap stock will perform better than a solid blue chip stock, which is simply not a very solid strategy. It's been my experience in chatting with anyone who did manage to make money on a speculative share that the success was more about luck and not about skill. The fact is that it's just plain smart to buy quality stocks, not quantity, because this is where you will, for the most part, get the greatest gains with the least amount of risk. Now the reality is that when you buy cheap, you are gambling with your money and taking higher risk. The other thing a lot of people talk to me about is investing overseas because there's more opportunity. And this is another myth that's perpetuated by the industry. You only need between eight and 12 shares. You don't need to look at thousands to find those eight or 12 shares. So make your life more simple. Stay with the Australian market, stay with the top 100 shares and stay with very good stocks. If you are speculating that smaller stocks will rise faster in a shorter period of time, you are taking higher risk, or you will take higher risk, which will result in more losses and very average returns. In essence, the odds are stacked against you just like they are at a casino. Unless you know how to get in and how to get out at the right time and do so with consistency, then you are going to take very high risks. Before moving on, I wanted to chat to you about something that you may have heard, that is that concentrated portfolios like we're discussing here are higher risk. Now the fact is that those in the financial industry would generally consider a portfolio of 12 or less shares to be concentrated. Now the reason why they considered concentrated portfolios high risk is they do not practice the last piece of proper money management, and that is the use of stop losses. Or in other words, protect the downside risk of your portfolio. Now I'm not sure about you, but I've never heard anyone complain about a share they own rising in price. They only complain when it falls. So it just makes sense to plain handle the downside and let the upside take care of itself. Now as discussed, proper portfolio management is about balance. And so whilst we may balance out our position sizing, and we may select good shares to invest in, we are always at the mercy of the market. Therefore, it is essential to protect the downside risk of your portfolio. Now, if we can do this, then our concentrated portfolio will perform far better than larger, over-diversified portfolios and do so at lower levels of risk. Whilst we're not going to get into trading techniques here, the easiest way to exit a stock when the price of that stock is falling is to set a stop loss. Now you may be surprised that over 90% of people do not have exit strategies, neither do they use stop losses. So what sort of stop loss should you use? Well, as a general rule of thumb for investors buying blue chip stocks or top 100 stocks, then I suggest 15% below the buy price. Now setting proper exit points on a stock that is making you money is a little more complicated than where you set your stop loss. As calculating an appropriate exit point on a stock you own that's making you money will depend on many things that are beyond the scope of this recording. 
Now we do teach these in our trading courses for those who are more serious about this area. So just to summarize this recording, when constructing a portfolio, you should always hold between eight and 12 shares, only invest in the top shares on the Australian market. Most importantly, always, always use stop losses. If you're not sure how to do this, then you should be looking at purchasing my book, How to Beat the Managed Funds by 20%. If you have not already done so, or even better, buy our investment pack, which includes my book, plus two DVDs of live seminars that I've presented, where I really pull all of this together, plus introduce you to many new concepts that will assist you to profit from the share market. Now, if you take this low-risk, methodical approach to investing that I've chatted to you about here, then over the long time, you will achieve far higher returns than if you try to beat the market averages just by picking the next boom stock. Again, if you need more information on what we've just discussed, it is outlined in detail with lots of other great information in my book. And if you need to ask some questions, you can email us at info at wealthwithin.com.au. Thanks for listening. I'm Dale Gillen, the Chief Analyst here at Wealth Within. Take care. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. For more information, products and services, and detailed show notes with a transcript for this podcast, head over to wealthwithin.com.au and click on the News and Media tab in the navigation.